Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Looking forward to just slowing down a little bit, chatting with you guys, answering your questions. You, especially in the Primal Potential Facebook group, have sent forth so many great topics and questions, and I'm just really grateful. If you're not in the Facebook group, it is such an amazing community If you go to Primal Potential Podcast or you search that on Facebook, the group will come right up, I think. Maybe not. Search Primal Potential, the group will come up. Uh, The page is Primal Potential Podcast, but the group, search Primal Potential. I'll also link in the show description, so you don't need to go and search. I will just link it in the show description, and you can click it. It's It's been a week. So since I chatted with you last... My grandma passed away, my mom's mom. For those of you that follow me on Instagram, you probably have seen me post about her. She's 101 years old and she was able to die at home, which is, you know, what we hoped for her. It's not something we saw coming except for the fact that she's 101, uh, but we did not think that it was imminent. So that was, uh, you know, that was a thing. But we're excited to celebrate 101 years of life. Can you, oh my gosh, can you imagine what she has seen and the ways the world has changed in 101 years? Like, holy Toledo. I feel like it's changed a lot in my lifetime. Bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. She's a tough lady. She, during World War II, she was a crane operator on a Navy shipyard. That's just one of a million interesting things about her life. But anyway, um, we talked about that a little bit inside the mastermind. I think I shared it. Maybe I didn't share it in the Facebook group. Um, but yeah, so it's been a week. It's been a week. But the upside is getting to spend a little bit more time with family. So there's that. Okay, lots of questions. Before I get to that, though, we're going to give away Relief Plus today. And I actually have two bottles sitting on my desk right now because... I use this every single day and it's, uh, I don't know why it's in here and not in the pantry, but it is in here. This, for those of you that don't know about it, it falls into a category that I think is really mis- misunderstood to our own detriment. Because it's an all-natural anti-inflammatory, people think of it as like Aleve or aspirin, ibuprofen. And while it can be used as those things, it's so much more than that because you've probably heard me talk about, if you've been listening to the show for any period of time, heard me talk about the fact that inflammation is the starting point for basically all disease, right? Cancer, neurodegenerative things, um, heart things, it's all have a, an inflammatory component. And we 
introduce infl- inflammatory things into our lives all the time through chemicals in the foods that we eat or the things that are around our homes or that we put on our skin. And I just, I feel very strongly that we have to be intentional about moderating the inflammation in our body because it's not always something that you feel as a knee thing, right? The inflammation that we're talking about is not the inflammation that makes it hard to squat. We're talking about inflammation at the cellular level, inflammation in your vascular system. And I just love it. It has changed a lot of things for me. So that is what we are going to give away. I'm going to announce the winner at the end of the show. So don't stop listening. Let's get to the questions. There are so many. I don't think we'll be able to get through them all tonight, but that's okay because that's what next Saturday is for. And if you have any questions, any topics, let me know. That's what we do on Saturdays. All right. This one says, can I have some advice on peer pressure drinking, like alcohol drinking? It hasn't been happening a lot, but I want to practice more on saying I've had enough to drink. Thank you. I feel that sometimes in order to be fun or to fit in, I must drink more, but drinking too much makes me feel awful and leads to bad decisions. You know, somebody, this question came up in the Facebook group and somebody said, oh, take a shot and pour it out. And I'm all for do what works for you, but here's why I wouldn't ever choose that strategy of take a shot, pour it out, um, is because I don't want to fake it. And if I care about somebody enough to spend my time with them, then that relationship, whether it's an acquaintance or it's a friend or it's a family member, deserves my honesty. And I, I want to get comfortable being honest and not feeling like I have to fake it if I'm not going to have dessert or if I'm not going to drink or anything along those lines. I like to think about it if somebody else was in this position. What if you had a friend in your friend group who was trying to get sober? Would you feel like they couldn't have fun hanging out with you guys because they didn't drink? And I would imagine that most people would say, well, no, of course not. I'd want them to feel like they could have fun. So what are some ways that they could have fun without drinking, right? And we're not talking in this person's question about being sober, but I think it's, it's helpful to put it in that framework. Like if I had a friend who wanted to get sober, do I think that means that they can't have fun with us anymore? No, of course not. What are some of the ways they could still have fun with us? Start to look at it a lot of times it's easier to look at it through the lens of if we're thinking about somebody else, we're more open-minded than if we're thinking about ourselves. So I do that all the time. Like if I, I, and I use this in all sorts of different contexts. If I'm thinking about a struggle I'm having in my marriage, I'm often limited by my own ego when I'm thinking about solutions. But if I were to say, uh, my friend Jen has this challenge in her marriage, what, what are some of the things that I would think might help or things that I could suggest or things that she might want to try? I'm more open-minded 99 times out of 100 thinking about somebody else. Then I have an honest assessment and I can look at that. In terms of saying, because part of this question is, uh, I want more practice saying I've had enough to drink. Then put yourself in situations where that is what you plan to do. A lot of times this comes up with food and alcohol and spending money that people don't say no because they're uncomfortable saying no to other people, but they overlook the fact that they're also uncomfortable when they don't say no and they have to live with the the repercussions of that, right? So let's say just tonight we had family dinner and uh, it 
everybody was having like a sandwich and there was bread and there was all these things. And Chris and I are being pretty conscious about what we're eating right now. And it came up about Chris didn't end up eating what he had got because he thought it was going to fit in with what we're doing and it didn't. And so the conversation came up about, you know, what we were doing and why. And a lot of times that is uncomfortable. But what I have found is more uncomfortable is not saying anything and then eating or drinking whatever so as to not stand out because I then, everybody else goes home and doesn't have to carry the discomfort because they probably didn't even feel any, but I have to then carry the discomfort, not only of my decision, but of the pattern that I create when I try to avoid those things. It doesn't matter if we're talking drinking, as is the question, or we're talking food, dessert, spending money, gossiping about other people. We'll often go along in the moment because it's uncomfortable, but it's a half-baked thought because it's still uncomfortable to not reach your goals because you're, you're giving in in social situations because it's uncomfortable. Choose your discomfort wisely. The next question says, I'm starting a grain-free way of eating because it helps with inflammation. Oh, there's that word, inflammation. Love that word. Love that concept. Uh, all right, grain-free because it helps with my inflammation and my pariasis. Uh, sori- wow, I pronounced the P there. Psoriasis. I do know better. Uh, I, sometimes it's, it's late when I'm recording this. Sometimes you just your brain doesn't quite catch up, you know, with your eyes. It takes a second. So grain-free helps with inflammation, helps with psoriasis. I love the things I'm giving up, but I know they do not serve me. Any ideas on how to not feel restricted? Absolutely. Logic, right? You're giving up grains. Well, that leaves 89% of the rest of the foods available on earth that you can still have. (laughs) No longer feeling restricted, right? We have to really see the full picture, This is why I'm constantly talking about becoming a better thinker, because you can convince yourself that giving up grain means that you're restricted. You absolutely can. I've probably told myself that I've had similar restrictions before, but if we really take the opportunity to practice being rational and thinking about the whole thing, we still have a bajillion options. There's in no way any restriction. And the other piece of it is, I like to tell myself, I can always reevaluate. So right now I'm eating this way because weight loss is a priority, because inflammation is a priority, because I want to expand my family. But you know what? In two years or two months, I can reevaluate and see if there's room in my regular way of eating or way of exercising or way of spending for things that I'm not doing now. Nothing is forever. When it comes to behavior change, you can always reevaluate it. And that helps me so much. The way I'm eating right now, there's a lot of things that I'm saying no to. But it's just for this time, this, this time. And I can, if I could reevaluate tomorrow if I wanted to, right? I can reevaluate in a month. I can reevaluate in six months or a year. And so can you. So I would challenge you to really look at the fact that there's more that you can eat than there is that you can't eat. So restricted, that feeling of being restricted comes from a very narrow perspective and it's not the only perspective available. The other piece of it is, instead of looking at what it's not, right, it's not including grains, look at what it is. It is giving you health and energy and freedom from 
psoriasis and probably many other things. A lot of times we, we look at what we feel we're lacking, what we're missing. But again, that's only looking at one piece of the story and there is so much more to it. So for me, the way that I'm eating right now, yeah, it means that I'm not having sugar in any form. It means that I'm not doing... Uh, a lot of variety in vegetables. It means that I'm not doing dairy. But what I am doing is getting healthier. What I am doing is losing weight. What I am doing is feeling more energetic and more focused. I'm sleeping better. I'm setting myself up for a better chance at having a family late, later in life into my 40s. If you focus on what you're giving up, you're going to feel bummed. Just know that there's a much more valuable, helpful, useful story that you could tell if you choose to tell it. If your perspective isn't serving you, change your perspective. This next one says, I'd love to get some advice or suggestions to manage, quote, permission giving thoughts. So the thoughts that we think that give us permission. And I asked for some examples so that I could answer more accurately. And this this individual said, thoughts like, I can eat less tomorrow. I don't look that bad. So in this situation, it's it's thoughts that are permission giving for indulging or uh, breaking a standard that you that you committed to make. I go back to I think it's episode nine hundred three. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm like eighty percent sure. If you haven't listened to that one, make a note, go back and listen to it. But it's about have many reasons. Have many reasons. Because when you say, like, I don't look that bad, you know, I've made some good progress, you're basically saying the reason I eat a certain way is because I want my weight to be a certain number, because I want my body to look a certain way. But how about I want to be healthy? I want to do my part to ensure that I'm not setting myself up for chronic illness or premature death. That's, that's not an exaggeration, right? If you use a thought like, and I have had these thoughts myself, I don't look that bad. You know, like, what's the big deal? I don't look that bad. You are essentially saying that what I choose to eat, how much, the quality hinges on how I look. So then what happens when you're at a weight that you feel really comfortable at? Then you have carte blanche to just eat whatever until the scale moves again. That totally discounts doing it for energy, doing it for hormone balance, doing it to set an example for your children, doing it to live a long life, doing it to avoid chronic disease. I mean, there's so many different things. And then the, the thought of, well, I can eat less tomorrow. The thing that I tell myself all the time is you can't take miles off the car. So for every time that I said that to myself, like I'll do better tomorrow, and I meant it, and then I went and binged, that did things to my body that I cannot undo. Weight gain, I can undo. But when you have a pattern of raising your blood sugar, of overfueling your body, it starts to break down your body. I mean, we see this in, in people that have gone to the extreme and, and experienced neuropathy or numbness in their hands and their feet because they just have not seize the opportunity to great, do great things for their body consistently. And obviously, there are other factors at play and other things that can lead to neuropathy, but what you eat is absolutely one of them. So sure, can you eat better tomorrow? Absolutely. But you do damage to your body with what you choose to do today, or you choose not to do damage. If you think about overeating, and I think about the years that I spent overeating, 
my body had to do more work. My heart had to beat more. My blood had to pump more. My muscles had to work harder. My, my pancreas had to produce more hormones, all sorts of things. My adrenal glands. You don't have a, an unlimited lifespan on your heart, on your pancreas, on your adrenal glands. You don't. So I, I took years off my life. You can't take miles off the car. So the, the thing that really this boils down to, these permission-giving thoughts, is what I said earlier. You, you need to become a better thinker because you can tell that story and you can make decisions accordingly, but that is such a small piece of the truth and it could really mess up your life. Okay, if you only had 10 to 15 minutes to get a workout in and your goal is fat loss, what's the best bang for your buck in that time? Elizabeth, what are your power moves? It's a tough question because... Um, I think one of the best things we can do for long-term health and fat loss is walking a lot. Now, I also think that weight training is really, really important, but that is about so much more than fat loss. Yes, it aids in fat loss because the more muscle we have, the more, uh, the more metabolically active we are. We, we just... We need more fuel. We use more fuel. We more efficiently use fuel. It helps our blood sugar balance and so many other things to have muscle. So it's tough to pick one here, but let's just play a game and pretend that there is just one, you know, one answer uh, and there's not. I would be thinking about full body something. I would be thinking probably about uh, with the goal of fat loss, I would be thinking about something that would utilize uh, EPOC or excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. I've done full episodes on that, but basically... It means that you do something at an intensity where your body goes into essentially oxygen debt, meaning you're, you're absolutely, of course, still breathing while you do it, but your oxygen needs exceed what you can inhale in that time. And so after the movement is over, your body's playing catch up. And that means that you continue to have this metabolic afterburn when you do types of things that induce this epoch situation. So that tends to be high intensity intervals. So if I only had 10 minutes, I would probably do something like an EMOM, most likely. I mean, I might do something like max burpees in 10 minutes, but I would probably go for the high intensity intervals instead of that. So maybe what I would do is a 10 minute EMOM. EMOM means every minute on the minute. So maybe the odd minutes, one, three, five, seven, nine, would be something like 12 burpees. Uh, and, you know, then in the time, it, so basically what that means is you have a minute to do 12 burpees. If you get it done in 40 seconds, you have 20 seconds to rest before the next minute. So 10-minute EMOM, 12 burpees, and then something like maybe wall balls. Uh, a wall ball is essentially you have a medicine ball, which ranges from, say, you could use one that's eight pounds. You could use one that's 12, 15. Uh, in CrossFit, men usually use a 20-pound ball. And you kind of have it at your chest and you squat down and then you stand back up. And as you stand back up, you extend overhead and you throw the ball up against the wall. And then you catch it, squat back down, repeat. So I don't know. I'll probably do something like that because the burpees and the wall balls are going to give you that getting winded feel 
to induce that epoch. Uh, but I like the EMOM framework because if you were to do something for 10 minutes straight, you wouldn't be able to go at the same intensity as a period of work and then recover until the start of the next minute. So maybe I would do something like 12 burpees on the uh, odd minutes and maybe 12 to 15 wall balls because um, you're getting a little bit of the strength. But I don't know. If you ask me tomorrow, I'd probably give you a different answer. But I think that would be something that would be that would be good. Maybe another option would be an, a 15-minute EMOM of deadlifts uh, because you're really activating your largest muscle groups with your glutes and your hamstrings. Deadlift and like jump rope, you know. So maybe um, something like, I don't know, 60 single unders or 40 double unders on, you know, say the even minutes and then 15 or if you're going to go heavy, maybe 10 heavy deadlifts. That's what I would say. I don't know. If you ask me tomorrow, I might have a different answer. Can you talk about mindlessly eating on autopilot? I often sacrificed what I want most for what I want in the moment. I don't think it's all that mindless. I think it's a habit, but I do not believe that you are unconsciously opening the pantry and getting food. I think you don't think about it much, but I don't think that's the same as mindless. I believe strongly that a lot of people don't take responsibility for their choices by saying, I'm on autopilot. You're really not, you know? I mean, it's not the same as I got to work and I kind of don't remember the drive. You're making decisions. You know, you're standing before the pantry and you're thinking, so while it might be habitual, I don't think that it's mindless. And even if you're totally in disagreement about that with me, I would still stop using that word because it it's easy to then not take responsibility. I call it choices. I'm in a habit of making these choices. I'm not being intentional. That's all fine, but I really don't think it's mindless. Uh, and, I, and I don't think that it's helpful in any way if you want to change the behavior to use that word. Because again, it's like dissociating you and your choice from the behavior. What really helped me with this is a couple of things. Number one, journaling and writing down everything that I eat. That discipline is huge if you are snacking more than you want to or eating things, bites and this here. Uh, there's a question that comes up in a, in a bit about kids and stuff, and I, and I know that happens a lot with parents uh, feeding kids or cleaning up after kids. So write down everything you eat, no matter what, no exceptions. Start that today. Don't do it, you know, for, oh, what did I eat yesterday? In the day you're in, Write it down. If you tried it, if you took a bite, if you had a ton, if you ate the whole thing, be very specific. It's not the same thing to say Oreos. I had Oreos today as it is to say I had seven Oreos or I had 24 Oreos. Just having the discipline of writing everything down is an incredible step to take. Do not underestimate how helpful that is. The other thing that helps me a lot is having a time at which I'm just done eating. You know, I, I mean, sure, there are some times where the schedule might get off, but generally, not even generally, I don't eat after dinner, you know, and sometimes I can be finished dinner if I'm eating with Roman at 5.30 and other times we're out and maybe we're on a date night and dinner isn't until eight. Uh, but still, I'm not eating after dinner and I try probably 90% of the time to have dinner be 
as early as it can be. You know, I, I'm not routinely doing the, the 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock dinner. It's very, very rare. That's the exception. But that is just a standard. If I feel like I'm hungry, that is intel for me to make better decisions with my meals so that they satisfy me for longer. And the other thing is, hunger is not an emergency. I'm not going to starve. I'm not going to die. It's okay to feel a little hunger. We are addicted to feeling comfortable, and we really dislike feeling uncomfortable, and we make a big thing out of being hungry. Oh, I just ate, but I'm really hungry. You're fine. You're fine. You can go to bed hungry, and you'll be okay. Obviously, there are exceptions in people who are, you know, putting themselves through starvation diets or have eating disorders, and that's not what I'm talking about here. Oh, let's see. Let's see. How many more questions are we going to take? Because there's a lot more. Let's do a couple more. I eat really healthy, satisfying, planned meals, but then I end up eating extra snacks or unplanned treats, and I ruin my weight loss results. How can I become more intentional with my eating? How do I cut back on treats without feeling deprived? Okay, deprivation is a mindset. Look, you can have one indulgence a month and you are not deprived. You can have two indulgences a year and you're not deprived. If you're telling yourself you're deprived because you didn't have the cake at a birthday party, you just have some mindset work to do. That's, I, I won't back down on that one. I feel really strongly about it. That's not deprivation. You might choose to be disciplined because of a goal, but you're not deprived. Can we stop using that word? And I understand if you feel that way, but that is just a big sign that you've got some mindset work to do. And I did too. I'm not casting judgment. I lived that way, feeling like, oh, but everybody else is doing it. I don't want to feel deprived. You're not deprived. That's not what deprivation is. You know, it might, you're, you're, your sense of normal might be really, really off. And mine was for a long time. I indulged multiple times a day, every day for like 30 years. So then when I go to indulging once a month or twice a month, it feels like a big shift, but it's still not deprivation. It's called discipline for the sake of health, discipline for the sake of living a long time, discipline for the sake of wanting to be a healthy, fit human being and a wonderful example of what it looks like to take care of my body for my kids. You know? Oh, I feel so strongly about that. But to go back to, and then I end up eating unplanned treats, how can I become more intentional? Write down absolutely everything that you eat. I'm not suggesting you have to count calories. I'm not a fan of that. You don't have to count macros. Commit to the discipline. If you want to eat it, write it. And if you don't want to write it, don't eat it. You know? feel strongly about that one. Okay, let's, let's do one more and then we'll get to the rest of these next week and we'll give away our Relief Plus. Can you talk about eating while giving kids food? How to approach leftovers, to throw away or not to throw away? That might sound funny, but I struggle sometimes with kids' foods. Their foods tend to be higher in calorie in general. I'd love to avoid these small bites as you give them food. I can only tell you how I handle Roman. And we, we didn't ever do purees with Roman right out of the gate at six months. We did what's called baby-led weaning. Roman eats what we eat. Now, every once in a while, like tonight, I, I got a salad and he doesn't, the, you know, the pieces of lettuce are too small to be safe for him. So he had macaroni and cheese. But I would say 19 times out of 20, Roman eats what we eat. And I'm not making, preparing, buying things for him that are different than what we're doing. 
I think that is the easiest thing. I know I've heard a lot of parents say, oh, well, it's easier if you start that way. But, you know, once they're seven, eight, hey, look, once they're seven or eight, you can still choose to not be a short order cook. My opinion. Not saying that's right. Just my strong opinion. However, a lot of times I'm feeding Roman when it's not mealtime for me right? He tends to, I don't, I don't eat breakfast in the morning right now. I do a a longer fasting window. So I'm feeding him, uh, this morning we were doing sausage and he had some mango and he had a hard boiled egg and I could absolutely eat off of that. For me, it's about that I'm, that I'm writing it down really, really helps me. And that I define for the day what I'm going to eat when I journal in the morning, that is a helpful strategy for me. In terms of the leftovers, if he could eat it again for another meal, I put it in the fridge. If, if not, I either throw it away or I give it to the dog. Or if it's vegetables, I give it to the chickens or the goats uh, or if it's fruit. But I think this, even if you don't have chickens and goats or dogs, if he could use it again for another meal, keep it. If not, throw it away. I feel very strongly that me eating it is not a better option than throwing it away because if I don't have my health, I don't have anything. And if I overfuel my body, I'm taking years off my life. And throwing things away is 1,000% a better option than taking years off my life. Hands down, no question about it. I feel kind of strongly about some of this stuff. But again, it's just my opinion. So it's totally fine if you have a different opinion or a different philosophy or a different operating system. Totally fine. Let's give something away. And we have a ton of great questions for next week too. But if you've got questions, send them my way. The winner of Relief Plus is Jai Saunders. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. J-A-I-S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S. Congratulations. You've won one of my very favorite things in the supplement world. If not my, ver- eh, it might be a tie, might be a toss up, but Relief Plus, email me, Jai Saunders, Elizabeth at PrimalPotential.com. Within 60 days of this episode airing, let me know that you were the winner for 962 and include your mailing address and uh, I'll ship it out to you no matter where in the world you live. All right. Everybody have an amazing day. Take great care of yourself and stop thinking about things in terms of deprivation. All right. Chat soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.